All right, you got your camera? You got a bag? You ready to go? Jump on in. We're heading down the road. My name's April, and I'm an award-winning landscape photographer and tour guide. I've been leading small group photo tours for over 20 years. For photographers, non-photographers, and anyone else that just likes to go for a great trip. So welcome to my podcast, Eyes for the Road. Thanks once again, everyone, for tuning in to Eyes for the Road. It's fall, my favorite time when I'm out traveling, so I've gathered some episodes that I spent time recording over the summer. But I always think that fall, besides enjoying the fall colors and the leaves, often some of us visit family, whether it's for the upcoming holidays or just homecomings or going back to where we graduated from college. Fall seems to be a time of gathering or going back to our roots, so to speak. So in the sense of going back to our roots, often we get find interest in travel, um, whether that's in researching our own family history and finding out where our relatives came from, a particular country, where they first came to the Americas and settled. These are all places that inspire us to travel and visit and walk those places where maybe our past family members, grandparents spent time, raised families, had homes. So there's always a lot of um, places to research this. The uh, Salt Lake City Family Research Library is open. I'll have that information in the show notes. Uh, New England is a favorite of mine, and it happens to be where some of my roots come from. There's many times you can go through when you are visiting relatives. It's important to ask questions. Try to engage your relatives if you have an interest in conversation and ask the questions or look at the old Bibles. A lot of times families kept important dates in the Bibles, you know, birth dates, places of birth, and those can be great starting points for doing your family history research. Uh, PBS has a new series out all about researching your roots and they give great tips as well. So today I'm going to share a place that we're going to take a trip to Greenland and it's not Greenland the country, it's Greenland, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which is a wonderful area to visit in the fall. There's lots of great history there. It's an area that was settled in the 1600s, about the time the pilgrims, there was a lot of American history that happened here. Strawberry Bank is a wonderful place to spend time. And I'm going to share another place, the Weeks Brick House. So join me as we speak to Mary, who's with the Weeks Brick House organization. She's the only paid person on staff. She represents the organization. She gives the tours. She keeps the history. She moved to the area, and this isn't her family home. So it's a very interesting interview, and she's got a lot of great information to share. So let's get started. Today, we're taking a trip out to New England, as I enjoy doing in the fall. And I always enjoy visiting historic places. But today, we're visiting a a place that has a personal draw for me, and that's the Weeks Brick House. And I'm a descendant of the family. So it's, it's really incredible that through my researching my own family history, I realized that there is this 300 year old home that is still standing and you can visit it. And it's a big part of the history of the Portsmouth Greenland area in New Hampshire. So I've got Mary joining us today. 
from the Weeks Brick House and Gardens. So thank you for joining me, Mary. I am delighted to be here. Thank you, April. Well, thanks. So tell us a little bit about your connection to the home and the organization. Well, I was hired about 15 years ago to be the only paid staff for the organization. I'm the administrative assistant, and I handle incoming calls, emails, correspondence, um, and I keep the the uh, mailing list up to date and just generally give tours and do everything that uh, needs to be done. Oh, wonderful. So tell us a bit about the history of the home. I know it's got a long, you know, being that it's been there over 300 years, that goes quite a ways back. Yes, actually 307. Wow. Um, it's now 307 years old. It was built in 1710. And originally I'm from Illinois. And history in Illinois is very different because it doesn't go back that far. Mm-hmm. Whereas I came to New England and there is such a sense of, of the real history of America starts here. Mm-hmm. And I love the story of the Weeksburg House. This teenager living in England decides that in order to make a better life for himself, in order to, to better himself, for what exact reason, I'm not sure, but he obviously was a very brave individual. He leaves his home, he signs up as a cabin boy on a ship, he sails to America in the 1650s. And if you think about it, that was a long time ago. And it was a very rough and wild place that he came to. And I, I know that in a lot of history Lessons. It seems like the, the pilgrims land at Plymouth Rock and fight the revolution. But there's so much history in between that that is so vital and so exciting and so dynamic. And Leonard Weeks kind of sums it all up. He comes to the United States. The captain of the ship gives him some land in Portsmouth, which later becomes Greenland. And he takes off. The king grants him more land, and by the time he dies, he is quite a wealthy man. And he leaves the land to his son, and his son decides to build a house. And to me, the the period of time in between like 1650 and, and 1700 is a very significant period in colonial history. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very dangerous, it's very hazardous, there are wars between the colonists and the Native Americans and atrocities on both sides, and it's just a horrible period of time, very unsettling, very scary, very um, threatening. But by 1700, when Samuel takes over the, the family business, things have settled down, mm-hmm. and he builds this house, and when you look at the house, I I see two things. I see this huge brick house. It's solid. It's not going anywhere. And that's exactly what it says to me. I am here. This is mine. And I'm staying. I have come. I'm staying. It also tells me we're pretty well off, too. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it's for the, the house of its time, It's the first native-made brick house in the area, which makes it historic. 
and okay. significant. And it's, it's just a beautiful old house. And the fact that one family lives on that land for over 300 years is just mm-hmm. phenomenal. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's one family passed it from generation to generation for, for quite mm-hmm. some time. Mm-hmm. And then, unfortunately, the house went out of the family's hands in the 1960s, but then it came back mm-hmm. yeah, in the 1970s. Incredible. And they formed the association, and the house is still there, and it's still a strong, solid house. What are some of the architectural details that make it unique, do you think, besides the fact that it is brick, which there aren't... It- that many brick homes, I understand, but from that time period. Right, right. It is uh, some of the architectural features. Actually, one of the ones that I like the most is the front door. And what I like to do with tours is challenge my my participants to open the front door. Hmm. It has this ingenious lock, and it's so simple. It's just this little piece of wood that falls down on top of the, the um the, the, it's not a door handle, it's a strip of metal that goes across and into a slot. Oh. And this little piece of wood falls down, and you can't pick that piece of metal up to open the door. Oh, my goodness. And I think that is just <laughs> such a, it's a better lock than any lock I see today. Yeah. Um. So the other thing is the fireplace. We have this enormous fireplace. Um, and I can I can just see women of old cooking in front of the fireplace and on the fireplace, and and we have a beehive oven next to it where they would bake their breads and mm-hmm. and um, just going about their daily lives. Uh, little tiny closets, which just blow me away with my walk-in closet of today. <laughs> there are these little teeny tiny closets that wouldn't hold anything, right. but more than met the needs of our ancestors. The house just says so much to me. I go down into the basement, and there are these rough-hewn logs that form the the, the ceiling of the basement, the the bottom of the mm-hmm. the first floor, and there there's still little bits of bark attached to them. And I I think to myself, this is this is somebody. 300 years ago was handling this and and cutting this and and, um, making this a home. Um, The attic there uh, has some interesting architectural details. It has old nails sticking out, Mm. hand-forged, handmade nails. Um, And there must be hundreds of them up there. And it, it just makes a personal connection with the people who came before. You know, they were real people. They were they were there. They were doing, they built the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one thing I remember, it's been a few years since I visited, is just how large the wood planks of the floor are. I mean. Yes, don't tell the British, but one <laughs> of the floor... <laughs> One of the planks on the floors upstairs is almost illegal. All of the bigger pine trees were marked as the king. Oh. Um, and they were called mast pines because they went to build 
shipped to Japan. Mm-hmm. And so we have a plank upstairs that is almost mm-hmm. illegal. And if they had found it in that house, there could there would be a high price to pay. Oh wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I also wonder why and, the brick walls were made. I mean, they're thick. Hello. Yes. I'm, oh, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I thought I, my phone dropped for a moment. Yeah, the brick oh. walls I understand are like isn't it eighteen inches or something? Or- yes. Actually, there are two layers of brick with a dead space in between. Oh. And that is what makes the home. Once you warm it up, it's very easy to to keep it warm. As a matter of fact, um, we currently rent the te- the the house out to a tenant, mm-hmm. and that's our primary source of income. And we had one tenant who would just open the front door, and the sun comes in all day, right? And it would heat the whole first floor. Oh my goodness. Um, because one, you know, as I said, once you once you heat the house up, it stays warm. And in the summer, once you cool it down, because of the dead space in between, is an excellent insulator. So, it's quite comfortable year round. Oh, that's very interesting. And yeah, you you look at the windows, and the walls are about eighteen inches thick, and the windows. So you have quite a a sill. On the inside, and you have quite a um, frame on the outside. Mm-hmm. And I understand now you've um, refurbished the gardens, kind of done some work with the gardens. Um, we were very lucky. We had a master gardener who volunteered for for a number of years. Oh wow! To um, tame the gardens and and whip them into shape, and unfortunately, he has since been forced to retire but we have some volunteers we're always looking for more volunteers if anybody likes to garden Mm -hmm. um we're always looking for more volunteers um it's a beautiful garden it's it's typical 1710 housewife's garden which means it's a bit of a mess gardeners back then didn't have time to have nice neat and it wasn't the fashion until queen victoria came along to have nice neat gardens right um, so as a housewife, um, Mrs. Weeks would have gone out and picked whatever she needed, and, and that would have been that. Um, we have broken the gardens down into three gardens. There's a medicinal garden, because that's the doctor. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Weeks would have been the doctor, <laughs> and that's where she would have gotten all of her medication. Um, so we have the medicinal garden. We have the... the um, you know, cooking garden right. for all of the cooking herbs. And then we have the household garden. And uh, she would have put lemon balm in her bed, which would have chased away the bed bugs. Right. And she would have strewn various other herbs on the floor, like lavender or, or you know, the sweet-smelling herbs to, to make the house smell good. And so we divided the garden into three separate gardens. Um, just to show that the herbs were very special. Mm-hmm. A lot of the herbs had a very special use. Do the do you grow vegetables and things? We started a victory garden a couple of years ago, and we have pumpkins and corn and tomatoes. Our pumpkins are incredible. Oh wow! We also had we also have a grapevine 
it just goes crazy every year. Um, and grapes were were kind of they're native to North America. Hmm. So that that's kind of it's nice to have something that is native. Right, it is, and show people what you know can be grown natively. Since a lot of people are right. switching back to that, and in fact. Um, so what are the best ways to visit the home and ground since you currently do have tenants helping to take care of the property? Well, um, the house is open for tours. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only stipulation is we do have a tenant. So everything is arranged at his convenience. Um, but email me at www.weeksbrickhouse at AOL.com. And we will set up a good time to to tour the house and um i love to show off the grounds because the back of the house has this field and these trees and it really gives you the sense that you're back in 1710 Mm -hmm. and post road is the road that um goes from 33 the house faces onto 33 and it goes back to what used to be the town landing and parts of that road date to 1650 oh my and i love that because um once you kind of there's a little curve in the road and once you go around the curve 33 melts into the background and it's like all of a sudden it could be 1650 right and um yeah, it's interesting. So all they were, I'm, I'm sorry. I said it's a, no. interesting how the you know back in those times, like you said, most of the traffic would have come behind what we consider behind the house on the waterway. Oh, of course. Um, the primary they were the highways of America, and the gondola was the semi, mm. um, the truck of of colonial America. And they had, um, they would come to the, the town landing, which was part of the week's property, and load and unload everything. And everything came by boat. Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, what are the best ways to help protect the home as this, you know, for future generations to enjoy it, just for the historical value alone? Well, the best way anybody can help is by coming and seeing it and experiencing the house and the gardens and the and the the little forest behind that's kind of a grand word the the grove of trees behind the house um it's thirty some acres and it's set in conservation, so it will never be developed. oh wonderful, which is very important um so the best way somebody can support the house is financially, of course. Mm-hmm. We're always looking for volunteers. If somebody likes to garden, we have gardens just waiting for them. Um, you could be, you could plant if you wanted to. We have an area where people could plant their own gardens. Um, so the best way to support the house would be to come see it, volunteer here, or Send money. Right. Wonderful. How big is the association that helps the keep the house up as such? You said it's all volunteers, so that's pretty amazing. Yes. And and we had a historian come through about a year ago and um he called 
everywhere. And he was so excited about a lot of the details about the house. And he was explaining to me the difference in the windows. And, and um, as I, I think I said earlier, one of the things I love about the house is that it was occupied by the yeah. same family. Yeah. And they changed things, of course. And, um, you know, he was pointing out things that they had changed and things that were original. And he was quite impressed with how well-maintained the house is. And, yes, it's it's all volunteer. As I said, I'm the only paid person. Um, But it's all volunteer. Yeah, it's interesting that the house did, you know, essentially survive. Um, you know, that it wasn't like left or abandoned at some point and thankful that when the last descendant moved out, that somebody was able to jump in and save it from development. Because that little area right there with the Highway 33 and whatnot would have been prime for, <laughs> unfortunately, for oh. development. So it's kind of a lucky turn of events somehow that someone realized and was able yeah. to kind of scramble together. Yes. Well, it, it, the interesting part about it was um, I've heard that one faction wanted to buy the house. The house had left the Weeks family. I don't know who bought it, but then I think that they were getting ready to get rid of it. Mm. And I don't know if they were going to sell it or develop it, or I don't know if they were the ones, but somebody wanted to tear it down and put in a little subdivision. Mm. And somebody else wanted to turn it into a restaurant. And Newt Weeks, who has a farm in Greenland, uh, who has since passed on, but he is the father of Cynthia Weeks Smith, who is our treasurer. Mm-hmm. He was the one who said, no, we can't do this. We can't lose this piece of history. Yeah. And my understanding is he sat up nights writing letters to every week he could find. He got phone books. He you know, this was before the internet. So right. he got phone books and and wrote handwritten letters. Oh my goodness. And he formed the association and they were able to buy the house. And as soon as they put the most of the land into conservation, uh, the mortgage was paid off. And the association has continued to run it since the 1970s until today. And um, has done a pretty good job. Yeah, I believe they have. And considering it's not, I don't think it gets the attention that, say, Strawberry Bank or some of the homes in Portsmouth get, even though... Um, you're 100% correct. And I think part of that is because Portsmouth is a walking town. Okay. You can park your car and walk around Portsmouth, and there are houses right off of downtown Mm -hmm. and the whole area of strawberry bank is there and you can see a whole bunch of stuff whereas in order to get to the house first of all you have to know it's there and we are probably one of the best kept secrets in new england (laughs) unfortunately right i've met i i've met people who have been in greenland for years and they've never even heard of the house really yeah um this one young man said to me I drive by that every day. I wondered what it was. Oh my goodness! And there's even <laughs> there's even a, um, one of those historical markers 
Yes, that explains what the weak house is right on 33. Of course, you're going to, you know, I've been trying to read it myself as I drive by and it's, I, I have not been able to complete it because I'm going too fast. But yeah, it, it, we're, we're a, you have, if we, you, you have to be going to the weak house. You have yes. to know it's there before you get there. Yes, you really do. Because I know the first time my father and I tried to, my fa- I think my father was the one that found it first. And like he said, he knew it was there. But again, to find it, it's literally, I saw an article. It's what it's true. It's hidden in plain sight because you literally, with the curve of the road there, you're kind of, you know, paying attention to driving. And as you're curving around the road, your eye kind of catches something maybe the historical marker and part of a house and you're like, wait a minute. And then, you know, then you have to work your way back, so to speak, and get back right. in there. <laughs> it's not easy. It's no. not easy. But it's definitely worth taking your time to go and see the home and see the grounds. And, and if I do say so myself, I give an incredibly good tour. Oh, I believe you do. Yes. <laughs> you give a very good tour. I've taken your tour, Mary. It's very, and you're so fascinated with the local history of filling in the blanks kind of of what was happening in the era of which the home was built. Well, I think that's so important. Like I said, I, we go from Plymouth Rock to fighting the revolution and kind of gloss over everything in between and that is such an important period of our history Mm -hmm. and the fact that he really this individual that again it's amazing to think as a teenager you know sets off for the new world so to speak and all the perils of taking the ocean crossing and then to build up to you know again working towards making a something solid that lasts right today i mean there's a handful when you look into the history of brick homes of that era, there's really just a handful. Right. That didn't succumb to, I mean, the house itself, the bricks, the week's brick house could have succumbed, unfortunately, to the fire. It survived the fire. Oh, yes. You know, yes. Um, fortunately, we at some point in time, the family had built an L onto the back of the house. And, and here in New England... The homes are connected to the barns by a series mm-hmm. of, of little rooms, which in Illinois, we don't do that. So, But I thought this was brilliant because you can go all the way to the barn without going outside. Right. And it, in the 1920s, the, they decided that the L was, had seen better days and it was time to take it down. And thank goodness they did because in 1930, I believe, the barn caught fire. And they were within seconds of losing the house. But if the L had been there, the fire would have gone straight through and into the house, and that would have been that. Right. I know. Amazing. So the the house is a survivor, and and it is a grand old place. Yeah, it really is. So tell us a little bit about the upcoming, each year you have like a family get together, but it's also open to the public. Right, right. Um, We call it the annual meeting of the association and it starts Saturday around noon. Mm -hmm. Um, There are tours of the house. Um, The house is open from noon until 
I'm, I'm not sure what time. Um, and this year, they, we are hosting a tour of the Wentworth Douglas home in Portsmouth. Oh. And uh, then we will return to the house for a wine and cheese party. And then Sunday, um, again, the house will be open for tours. But then we will go to the parish house of the Greenland UCC Church to have our annual meeting. And that usually consists of some kind of a historian. Uh, one year we had somebody who talked about how do you make old properties relevant right. to 2016. Because I, I think that was the year that this gentleman came. And that is one way to keep things alive and relevant. Um, so we have been discussing how we can make the house more relevant to the community of Greenland. Right. Um, so we'll have a historian talk about the times of 1600, 1700, what the house has seen, what it's gone through. And then we'll have what, you know, the annual meeting for the association, and then we'll have lunch. Nice. And it's, it's an interesting and informative Sunday, and it's usually done by two. Oh, wow. Nice. So it's a nice time to come and look at the house and meet a bunch of people from all over the United States. And... Um, see bits and pieces of historic New England in addition to the house and um, have some good wine and good cheese and a good lunch. Yeah. And this week, this year, I believe those dates are September 16 and 17. That is, that is correct. And then if you want more information on the house, you would want to visit the website at weeksbrickhouse.org. And if you're not able to come that weekend, by all means, drop an email so Mary can help you arrange a tour of the home. It's, it's really interesting inside. It really, it's just amazing to me. And the fact that, like you said, it's literally a survivor. I mean, uh -huh. all these years. And the fact that it, it is, it's still kind of, kind of misses the main, you don't see it mentioned a lot, say in visitor's guides or you know, historic right. places to visit. And so it's kind of having to create its own energy as such. So the email address again is weeksbrickhouse at aol.com. So what right. do you think, Mary, is your favorite aspect of the house of all like the features or the history? My favorite aspect of the house um Oh, that is so hard, April. No, <laughs> um, you know I love standing, looking at the at the field and the trees in the back, and I have seen deer, and I have seen foxes, and I have seen red-tailed hawks. Oh wow! Um, as well as you know, raccoons and chipmunks and squirrels and the usual stuff. But to be in the it it, it just feels so. Timeless. Mm -hmm. Just absolutely timeless. And I can stand there and I can think about what, what it must have felt like in 1710 to stand in the doorway. And it's the back door, but to stand in the back doorway and look out over this, this 
expanse of my, you know, as Mrs. Weeks, my land. Right. And I, so I, I would have to say my favorite part of the house is just the feeling I get of history and the appreciation that I have for what this house has been through and what has it has seen. By the time the revolution came around, by the, the day they signed the Declaration of Independence, it was 1776, the house was 66 years old already. Wow, yeah. You know, it, it, what this house has seen, the changes, the the... Um, you know, when the Civil War was fought, it was a hundred and some, you know, forty years old. Right. You're right. That really and, puts it into perspective when you. Yeah, you know. and and I just think about, like I said, I I think what I like most about the house is it puts a lot of things into perspective. It's a survivor. I'm hoping it'll be there for three hundred more years. Oh, I agree. And um, I, so I think how it makes me feel and what it says to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that in a lot of ways, it's just, I, I think I said earlier, it's the quintessential American story. Yes. Rags to riches and survive. Americans are survivors. Mm-hmm. And they're going to make it. And the house reminds me, that we are survivors and we're going to make it. Yeah, I agree. Well said. That's wonderful. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for your time today, Mary, and telling us a bit more about the Weeks Brick House. And I hope the story itself interests others to come out and visit. So, again, the website, weeksbrickhouse.org. So take a look and plan your plan to include it and maybe part of your fall travels it's a beautiful time to come in the fall and there's plenty there's actually some trails back on the property that go down by the the water and whatnot so you can really enjoy that as well so yes thank you so much i didn't Mary. even talk much about oh, the, no, trails. You didn't they're mention the trails <laughs> they're beautiful and and we recently had an eagle scout go out and kind of improve them a bit oh so, really oh great yeah yeah, I know they're even better than they were. Yeah, there is. I don't know if it was a link on the website, but I'm sure if you check, look, I did find a full article about the trails. It kind of splits and gives you some detailed information about, you know, one direction is a little bit longer than the other. Oh, but it's also on the map on the main week's Brick House website. There is a map as well. Thank you so much, Mary, for your time today. Well, thank you, April. So that was just one place you can visit, which is the Weeks Brick House. If you're heading out to New England, Portsmouth is a wonderful place to visit. It's about an hour north of the Manchester, New Hampshire airport, probably about an hour and a half, maybe two hours, depending on traffic outside of Boston, just head north. It is on the seacoast. So you have the coastline, you have bridges, you have some beautiful areas to photograph. Get out in the morning and head over towards the water and find places with reflections. Spend some time at Strawberry Bank. It is a collection of buildings, homes. Uh, There were residents and colonies, colonists here in the early 1600s. And it's a wonderful place with history, costume docents in the fall. They have different programs. They have festivals. 
There's a couple bed and breakfasts in Portsmouth that are wonderful to stay at. There's also, uh, you can stay just over Court Street. Court Street is an old brick walking pedestrian area with shops and lots of restaurants. Be sure and photograph the churches. And it's a wonderful place you can turn into a weekend or two to three days. And just over the bridge from Portsmouth, you've got Maine. So this makes a wonderful destination if you've only got a weekend or a three day for getting out to experience fall colors. So once again, if you have questions regarding your fall travels or other destinations and you want some help making plans, send me an email at april at aprilart.com. I also have a contact form on eyesfortheroad.com. And please, I'd love to have any of you photographers and non-photographers join me on one of my upcoming tours. So thanks again and have a wonderful weekend.